0: Now we are joined by Luke O'Neill Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin and during the break we were just talking about AI uh, and how you might examine students. You've got your own ideas. Yeah. Well
1: back to oral exams in Latin Pat how about that that'll <laughs> test them. <laughs> you know, but we need to do something don't we because yeah. this is happening so fast it's incredible the speed yeah. at which these new AI programmes So are you come.
0: can't trust an essay when it comes no, in anymore. the essays are gone really in my view because they're going to cut and paste or yeah, adapt things. You know, so so. The, the students are going to have to go in. it'd be more tedious for you I suppose to have to interview each student yeah. individually as to their competence. But challenge. maybe you do that anyway.
1: And some get very nervous, remember, and can't perform as well. So there's all kinds of questions that are going to come up, you. Really. All right. Now, we are going to talk about Beethoven's DNA. Tell me more. Yeah. This, and this is a great story. It's the power of DNA, basically, you see, and what DNA can tell us. they got samples of Beethoven's DNA sequenced it. They got two-thirds of his genome, which is an incredible amount of information from these locks of hair that Beethoven had. And they figured out what he died of, really. Now, they kind of knew it was liver disease anyway. He died of liver jaundice. Yeah, he was young, though. He was was 56. 56, 56, yeah. yeah. And they, they knew it was some kind of, probably some liver complaint. The big mystery was why he went deaf. And they were hoping to find in his genes, basically, the the cause of his deafness. Didn't find that yet, it must be said. But I found a huge amount of information about it. Imagine about 200 years after he dies, you sequence his DNA and you figure out (laughs) what he died of and what what his health status was. And it turns out that Beethoven himself
0: in his uh, illness, he was... Dying to know, literally dying, he was. Uh, to know what ailed him. And he, he asked for help in isolating after his
1: death what was it I had. Yeah, He was devastated, as you know, by his deafness. But he began to go deaf, you see, quite yeah. young. And he was devastated by this for obvious reasons. And he and he said to his brothers, please, when I die, do a post-mortem and let doctors figure out my malady, as he called it, you know. And yeah. it's taken 200 years to, to do a kind of a molecular post-mortem yeah. is the way to think of it, you know, to figure out what was wrong with him. Yeah, he was asked,
0: I think, about writing music while not being able to hear it. And his reply was... I shall hear in heaven. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a good reply. <laughs> anyway, and um, so they went in. Now, first of all, the provenance of these samples. Yeah. How many samples do
1: they have, and are they sure it's Beethoven? Well, again, it's good science. They've tried this before, by the way. You see, and they had a sample of skull that they thought was Beethoven's, or one lock of hair, and they wasn't sure it was his. You see, they had eight separate locks of hair that were all said to be from Beethoven, and five were identical. There's a good bet then that they're a actually good bet Beethoven. that it is Beethoven. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And they thought that the provenance was was well established. You know, they took one of them. I and then sequenced all the DNA. Now, what that means is, Pat, two billion letters in the DNA were read in his, in his, in his genome because we've, we've three billion in total yeah. in all our DNA. So they read two, two billion. billion. Yeah, exact Pieces of information. This is how powerful this is. It was only possible, because in the last 20 years, the technology's got better the extraction method is more effective and the sequencing is more effective. So they couldn't have done it 20 years ago, basically. And and we see this in our own
0: uh, uh, crime uh, activities here, where DNA
1: from old samples from which it could not be extracted before it can now be that's extracted. Exact, that's exactly what's happened. You can now take a scrap of blood or a tiny bit of tissue and now extract the DNA that wasn't possible 10, 20 years ago, you see. So they used that approach to get this information and then they read They
0: read the DNA. OK, so what did they find? I mean, what genes might have made him susceptible to
1: what conditions? Well, as I say, they, they knew at the time he jaundiced and had yeah. swollen limbs and that's a sign of liver problems, you see. They also knew he was a heavy drinker. He was quite famous for being a bit of a, a drinker, you see. And again, that would suggest liver disease. Hammer use. the liver as well. Yeah, exactly. But it, they're calling it a perfect storm to damage someone's liver fat, right? So heavy drinking, and then two genes, one called NPLA3, PNPLA3 it's called. That gives you a risk of liver disease if you carry that variant, you see. Another one called HFE. So variants in those two genes that predict liver problems. And if you combine that with the alcohol, then you're in trouble. And the third bit, the kind of killer piece of evidence he would hepatitis B they found fragments of a virus in his DNA oh. incredibly and hepatitis B causes liver disease you see they reckon yeah. that must have um, uh, sort of erupted in him it was dormant some viruses hide in our genomes you
0: know? it, and, it and
1: would it be when the liver was compromised that the hep uh, B uh, took over could have been yeah maybe the alcohol woke uh, up the virus he, yeah. might, he might have caught that virus when he was a child you see and it went dormant and they reckon then maybe when he was 55 or something that virus yeah. now re it's interesting because hep A
0: is jaundice commoner garden, yellow jaundice, uh, as they used to call it. Uh, And they used to allow people who'd had the yellow jaundice to give blood. That's I right. think they do now. Well,
1: hep can be transmitted only a hepatitis. Hepatitis C yeah. is the famous one. There's three of hepatitis course. viruses. Hep C was the big one. This is hep B. So they reckon that, that must have reawakened. He's drinking to him, has a bit of cirrhosis and he's two genes that give him a high risk of liver disease.
0: Now, so the, so what about, about the
1: clues to his hearing then? So if
0: we know what killed him, which was liver disease, um, <laughs> compounded by drinking and all of those things, ending up in hepatitis A and other things. Yeah. So he died
1: young at 56. So... Um, what about his hearing? Yeah, that's the trouble. Now, now they, they, they think, of, I think of autosclerosis. Autosclerosis is the, chemi- is the clinical name for this. Yeah. Where a bone called the stapes bone in your ear fuses. Remember the hammer and anvil is how we hear things. Yeah. You know? Those bones fused, they think, in his ear. And that that'll be a cause of the deafness, possibly. But they couldn't find the genes. There are a couple of genes that give you a risk or variants in genes, a risk of deafness. They weren't in his genome. Now, what they've said is, we don't know the genetics of deafness, you see. And some people go ah. deaf for genetic reasons. So, and so
0: we, the, the the clue may be there. Uh, yeah, but we haven't. Uh Done that uh, link between deafness and uh, particular genes yet?
1: That's exactly right. The prediction would be we, we will find a lot of genes for deafness in the future because all this research is happening. And then yeah. they'll check his DNA again and see which one he had. That's the prediction. So yeah. at the moment, our knowledge isn't at a high enough level to say what what the. Now clearly, for he wasn't is.
0: deaf from childhood because he was able to write all of this music. And even when he wrote music after he had gone almost totally deaf, he still knew what the sound of a particular key on the piano. Went and played what that would produce there's the talent of the man in a way yeah. they
1: could hear it in his own head you see while being deaf you know it's kind of so, so therefore we're looking at perhaps age
0: related deafness and could, whether could the be. seeds for age related deafness are sown
1: in childhood or uh, yeah. in your genes they reckon it began when he was in his 20s they reckon now, by the time he get to the 5th symphony that, that hammering of the 5th you know that's his anger at his own deafness emerging so some of the emotion in the music yeah. is, is he's devastated because he's going deaf you know but it began in his 20s now it could have been it's probably genetic and as you get older sometimes these genetic abnormalities begin to reveal themselves as you age yeah. you see so it began then and then by the time he's a bit older he's almost completely deaf you see which yeah. is a big tragedy I I,
0: th- I think no, I'm not entirely sure that it was at the writing of the Sixth Symphony where he was almost completely deaf and the S- Sixth Symphony is the Pastoral Symphony yeah. and it's a wonderful piece uh, of music and the idea that he could write that and never hear it
1: is yeah I m- remember the famous calling. scene in the movie Pat, when, he, when he's conducting and, he's, and, and the crowd are cheering and they have to turn him around to them see the craziness, hear the them question. cheering. You see, isn't it? it's a real tragedy, isn't it? And I think he deserves huge credit. Doesn't he keep keeping going in the face of yeah. this deafness? Now, clearly, eventually, uh, his liver failed. So, in so this is
0: Beethoven and the clues to his demise. Are they looking at anybody
1: else? That's what they are, of course. Yeah, now, you, you can almost um, take any sample of DNA now from the past. And find things out about people. One thing they found in his DNA pat was he—he he wasn't his, his father may have had, or his maybe one of his great great grandfathers may have had an extramarital affair. They've seen traces in his DNA different to his brothers. You see, so that's the other thing, ah. you know. So you can reveal all kinds of things in your DNA—the secrets about your health and your ancestry—all there to be found, really. You know? So if you don't want to be found out, be cremated. Be cremated. That's right. Exactly. You don't don't leave any samples <laughs> behind. That's the trick.
0: <laughs> Luke O'Neill, professor of biochemistry at uh, Trinity College in Dublin, uh, at. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva
0: Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.